How many of you, since the stay-at-home order, have been taking more walks outside? I know I have. And how many of you are familiar with the old Monty Python sketch about the ministry of silly walks? It's about a man who works at the ministry or the office of Silly Walks, and someone comes into the office to request government funding to further develop their Silly Walk. And so our protagonist asks to see this Silly Walk, and he determines that the walk is not so silly at all. Now, during COVID-19 in England and Canada and the U.S., since people have been out walking more, there are people who've been posting signs outside their homes along the sidewalk that say, you've now entered the jurisdiction of silly walks. Commence silly walking immediately. I encourage you after the live stream to look this up on, on uh, YouTube and you will, you will laugh. <laughs> In the English language, we have this phrase, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk. And that was the issue in the comedy sketch. This man could talk about a silly walk, but he couldn't actually do a silly walk. As we've moved through this series on the book of Romans, the last few times that I've preached, it's been on a pretty big passage about a pretty large scale theoretical concept. But as Pastor Mark explained last week, in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul, the author of this book, makes a shift from the theory of the gospel to the practice of the gospel. So today I'm going to preach on a passage that is shorter, it's smaller scale, it's arguably simpler, but just because it's relatively short, small, and simple does not mean that it is easy. The big idea today is practice the gospel in relationships and specifically put love into action and pursue peace with everyone. Because this passage is all about action, I want you to both see and hear this scripture reading. So I've asked Sue Larison to sign this for us. I want you to watch and listen carefully and then if there's a particular sign or a particular part that stands out for you, I'm going to ask you to drop it in the chat. Let's watch this together. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, but cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, and honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. 
do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you for that, Sue and Alyssa. So I'm especially moved by those signs for mourn with those who mourn, those signs about crying and heartbreaking, but also together. And I love that picture too of harmony. What about you? Was there a sign or a portion of that that stood out to you? If so, you can drop that in the comments. So the big idea for today is practice the gospel in relationships. In light of all we've talked about in terms of the gospel, this intersection of our great need, our utter unrighteousness, with God's great provision in the person and work of Jesus, that forgiveness and his righteousness applied to us when we say yes to him, in light of our changed relationship with God, we're meant to have different relationships with people as well. We're meant to practice the gospel in relationships first by putting love into action. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. If love is sincere, if it's real, it will be expressed in practical action. Just like the shaving cream, it will come out of the can. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Similarly, if we sincerely love others, we put that love into action. There are multiple ways to do that expressed in this passage, and I'm just going to highlight one. Romans 12:11, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Now, while this verse specifically talks about the Lord's people, this idea of sharing is not limited just to sharing with other Christians. The passage is going to go on to talk about those who persecute and enemies. And sharing isn't limited just to money, although it does include money. Sharing also extends to time and energy and attention. Sharing yourself as you're willing to share your story. What are some of the things that people have shared with you that have been meaningful? I invite you to drop that in the chat. As a person who lives alone, far from my family, when people share companionship with me, that is meaningful. When people of influence have shared their contacts with me and introduced me to people with whom I can network, that is meaningful. 
When people who have skill sets that are not my skill sets are willing to share their skill set with me and help me with that, whether it's in technology or home repairs or sewing, that is meaningful. So what about you? What is something someone has shared with you that has been meaningful? I want you to drop that in the chat. Neighborhood youth, neighborhood kids, you too. What's something that someone has shared with you that has been special to you? The reason I'm asking the question is I want to stick to thinking about not just what's been shared with us, but what we have to share with others. Romans 12, 16. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. The message put it, puts it this way, make friends with nobodies. As you think about putting love into action, don't only think about the obvious people, the people closest to you, most like you. God has a way of directing us towards someone else instead of or in addition to the regulars who are already in our circle. He often will direct us to someone different from us in some way, who takes a little more effort to connect with, maybe is a little more of a stretch on our part, maybe someone who doesn't necessarily reciprocate or appreciate our loving actions the way that we think they should. If you've been following Jesus for very long or if you've been part of church for very long, these are not new concepts for you. Loving our neighbor as ourself, putting love into action is a fundamental tenet of Christianity. It is relatively short, small, and simple, but it is not easy. We can talk the talk, but can we walk the walk? And what I don't want you to hear this morning is only just do more of this, do better, try harder. Rather, I'm going to invite you to spend some time with God and the following questions to get to the specific places under the waterline of your soul, the hidden part of the iceberg, the places deep inside of us that make this so difficult and invite God's transformation there. So here are the questions. And if you're on our distribution list, these are in the handout that was emailed to you today. I encourage you to be as specific as possible as you reflect on these questions. What makes it easier for me to put love into action? What makes it harder to put love into action? In both of those cases, those could be things about the situation or about yourself, or about the person you're called to love. And then what are my answers telling me about myself? Some of your answers may tell you something about your values. And then once your values are really out in the light and out on the table, you've got to decide if your values are biblical or not. For example, in all honesty, I find it easier to love someone that I think has earned it or who deserves it on whatever obviously made up and messed up scale I have in my head for that. Now, is that 
a natural human tendency to want to love someone who deserves love? Well, maybe. But is that a biblical value? No. No. So that's a place that I need to confess and repent and ask for the Holy Spirit's empowerment to change. Your answers may surface some broken places inside of you where you really need God's healing. Or your answers may surface some contradictions within yourself where you need to ask God for more congruency and alignment with what is true and what is good. We're going under the waterline here to the hidden parts of the iceberg to get to why, why it is that a command that it's relatively short and small and simple is so difficult. And after you've spent some time there, don't rush it. After you've spent some time there, then start asking this fourth question. God, how do you want me to put love into action in the next two weeks? And that includes the who and the when and the how. And by the way, if God is leading you to put love into action that requires some finances or other resources that you don't have, please check out the Neighborhood Grants application. We want to partner with you, especially in your ongoing connections with specific people as you share and show Jesus. These are spiritual formation questions that I've outlined this morning. Spiritual formation is in part about getting to what's under the waterline, inviting God's transformation there to make us whole, to make us holy, not just so that we can enjoy the feeling of being more whole and holy, but so we are free and empowered to be on mission with God, which has a whole lot to do with loving others. The gospel is good news for us in the deep down inside, but it is also good news for the people around us because it it enables us to love them well. So put love into action and pursue peace with everyone. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Recently, I was reminded that in the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, uh, there was no punctuation. The punctuation that we read in our Bibles was added significantly later. And in this case, it seems like that statement, if it is possible, that's in the middle, (laughs) could go with do what is right in the eyes of everyone, or it could go with live at peace with everyone. In our current climate, it seems like it's impossible to do what is right in the eyes of everyone because everyone doesn't always agree what is right. But certainly, integrity, courage, humility, self-control, these will contribute to our credibility in many circles. And while they do not guarantee peace, they will contribute toward peace in many cases. 
Paul's acknowledging here, we can't control everything. We don't control people's responses. But what we can do, we are to do in pursuing peace with everyone. Romans 12, 19 to 20. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now it is possible that a few of us this morning, when we hear these words, think about the headlines of the last couple of weeks and examples of instances where violence is being answered with violence. Is there something in these verses that speaks to that? Probably. But this morning, we're talking about us. We're asking God to help us Remove the plank from our own eye before we go looking for the splinter in somebody else's eye, as Jesus said in Matthew 7. Because the truth is, when I'm accused, I am am tempted to accuse back. When I'm offended, I am tempted to offend back. When I am snubbed, I am tempted to snub back. And if not directly, maybe by talking about that person to somebody else. But Paul is saying here, no, rather, we're to move towards those very people pursuing peace and even extending ourselves in generosity. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. And please don't hear what Paul isn't saying. There is a lot in the scripture about upholding justice and about advocating strongly, especially for the marginalized. We could spend the whole morning just looking at Jesus's life and how he modeled those things on a large scale and on a small scale. God cares deeply about those things on a large scale and a small scale. And I hope this passage encourages you Because it says God will repay. He will deal with injustice. And in the meantime, we can all have people in our lives with whom we have a broken relationship or at least strained relationship over something. And we're instructed to pursue peace with them, which usually means initiating a conversation acknowledging and apologizing for our sin or at least asking what is it that's broken and strained between us I want to work on that this is another easy command right no no so here are four questions for you to spend some time with in the next couple of weeks again I encourage you as you reflect on these to be as specific as possible Ask God to surface whatever he wants to surface. What makes it easier for me to pursue peace? What makes it harder for me to pursue peace? What are my answers telling me about myself? 
God, how do you want me to pursue peace in the next two weeks? For example, it's easier for me to pursue peace with someone, if we've had these kinds of conversations before, and I know by experience that when I approach them and I acknowledge and confess my sin, they're not going to rub my nose in it. They're not gonna lord it over me or shame me with it. And that makes me think about how I wanna be that kind of person for somebody else. I wanna be a person who is easy to approach and easy to apologize to. It's harder for me to pursue peace when I know we've both sinned. And I know I need to apologize for my part, but I really doubt that they're gonna own and apologize for their part. I know it's the right thing for me to seek peace and apologize and ask for forgiveness anyway. But in those situations, I am tempted to hold out. I am tempted to wait like a standoff. <laughs> and is that a natural human tendency? Maybe. Is that biblical according to this passage? No, no. So when God surfaces that in me and I realize I have that value, it's on the table, it's in the light, then that is an invitation for me to confess and to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to help me to change. Two weeks, I keep saying, two weeks. Why two weeks? Well, in two weeks on June 21st, we'll be having communion. And that's when we act out this profound reality that Jesus put love into action and died for us when we were still sinners. Jesus pursued peace with us when we were still his enemies. And it wasn't easy for him. And it wasn't automatic. It was costly. And it was intentional. And what he's done for us is the basis for what he commands us to do with others. If we say we're following Jesus and this is where he's going, then this is where we must go. 1 Corinthians 11 cautions us about taking communion lightly, flippantly, it urges us to slow down and examine ourselves and confess and repent before we take the bread and the wine. In Matthew 5, 23, Jesus is speaking not specifically about communion, but he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift. So in the next two weeks, we have some questions to ask ourselves. And we have some questions to ask God. And many of us will have some steps to take in putting love into action and in pursuing peace with everyone. The commands are brief. 
They're short, they're simple, they're small, and they're real easy to talk the talk about. But walking the walk is not so easy. And I believe that God is inviting us to explore why that is for each of us. He wants to meet us in the deep places, below the waterline, and change us there to heal us, to free us up, and to empower us to put love into action and to actively pursue peace with everyone. So let's accept his invitation. Let's accept his invitation. Let's go there with him. Let's go there. Let's pray. God, these things that we've read this morning, these things that we've talked about, they are simple, but they are not surface. If these things were surface, more of us would be better at them. God, thank you that you don't just tell us to try harder, but you are persistent at getting at the core of why we balk at these things, why sometimes we dig our heels in, why sometimes we're just very passive about these things, or why we just have so many blind spots in these areas. God, you are good and every invitation you make is good and everything you wanna do in us is good. So while we could come up with a million reasons not to go there with you, may we instead determine to go there with you wherever you are taking us. God, would you make us more like you? For the sake of your glory, for the sake of those that need to be loved by your image bearers. And may we live into this truth, this hope, this promise that people could know that we're Christians by the way that we are loving and the way that we are pursuing peace. We bless your name. Amen.